helping you navigate the Disney parks. With the hope that it will be a source of joy and inspiration to all the world. You're listening to Rope Drop Radio. To infinity and beyond. Hey guys, welcome to another Rope Drop Radio. I'm your host, Derek Sassman. With me, as always, is the Disney dentist, Dr. Doug. Doug, how you doing, bud? Doing great. How you doing, Derek? I'm doing great because we just booked our first Disney cruise, the Disney Dream in February. I am really excited about this. That is exciting. Well, and that's why uh, this show and next week's show is going to be a two-parter on how to plan your Disney cruise. And you're going to, you as an avid Disney cruiser, are going to help me and my family and all of our listeners plan the perfect Disney cruise vacation. Yeah, I've been on a few Disney cruises. We've uh, done four, have two more booked. So not a total expert by any stretch of imagination. There's people that have been on way more. But when we've done our Disney cruises, we've looked at it from a different perspective. Um, we kind of look at it from a research standpoint. Um, my wife is always looking out for what other people might enjoy. So we try some experiences that are definitely out of our comfort zone to try to be able to relay that to other people. And that, I think, really helps us help people plan uh, a Disney cruise so they can be tailored just to them, just to what their family needs are. Well, I've done other cruises and uh, from other cruise lines, but you know they've always been they've they've never been as exciting as I think a Disney cruise. And having two toddlers who love the princesses are going to love the shows. No need for a casino on board. I, I think this is going to be a great time. And and we're on the Disney Dream, and it's got the Millennium Falcon on board. So as a Star Wars junkie, I am just really excited about this. Absolutely. My kids are begging to go on the dream, which a lot of people in the cruise industry think it's kind of funny. My kids are asking to go on the dream because it does the repetitive, you know, three night, four night, three night, four night. It's like Groundhog's Day if you work on the ship. But they put in that Disney Infinity room. And I have an eight-year-old son that may not leave that room for three nights if we were to do a three-night cruise right now. Well, and that's the great thing about Disney Cruise Lines is that a lot of people and a lot of our listeners might think, why would I go on this? It's just a cruise full of kids. But what I've always heard is that the kids enjoy these play areas so much that it's kind of like a cruise just for your wife and you. Absolutely. Uh, We did a cruise for our 10-year anniversary, just adults, no kids. And plenty of adult areas, plenty of adult things to do. Plus, we're kind of kids ourselves. So, I mean, we were going on the aqueduct. I'm in line with a bunch of 10-year-olds. I don't care. Um, so it's great for adults, great for kids, great for grandparents. Um, all generations can enjoy the Disney ships. So I say we start planning. Sounds good. Well, the, the first question that everyone wants to know is when is the best time of year to book a Disney cruise? Well, that is definitely the first thing you got to address is when are we going to go? And it's real important to look at your calendar um, personally. You got to look at when you can go before when is the best time to go because everybody's best time is a little different. Sometimes it's got to be the summer. It's when the kids are out of school. It's the best time for you then. Um, May not be the most ideal time um, price-wise or weather-wise, depending on your destination. But the first thing you got to look at is when you can go. And then you start to look at what time of year may fit better if you have a couple options. So the fall, you're going to see the best prices in September uh, after the kids are back in school. The same thing happens with most vacations is actually best time September and uh, October. A big downside to September, October is that is peak hurricane season. 
And most cruises, not all cruises, but most cruises are in the Bahamas or Caribbean. And hurricanes can impact things. So there is some exchange for if you want to go when the prices are low, you got some risk involved. Same thing with uh, December and January. The weather's not all real predictable. We had a January cruise, and I think it was 61 degrees at Castaway. And uh, it's a little a little chilly in the Bahamas. Our kids did not care, though. They were in the water swimming all day long, maybe a little bit blue by the time lunch rolled around. But that's one of the trade-offs with the time of year is what works for you is the most important. After that, um, there's going to be a great experience. But the time of year, yeah, it can affect things like hurricane season, cold weather, uh, summer's real hot. Um, certain cruises like Alaska and Mediterranean for Disney only happen in the summer. So you can't say, I want to go to Alaska for a Christmas cruise because it doesn't exist. Yeah, for us, the best time of year is always, you know, we live in Nebraska, so we want to go when it's cold here to the Bahamas. I honestly, at that point, won't care if it's 62 degrees, but I am jealous that you are going on an Alaskan cruise this year, and, and that'll be a lot of fun. I know Anna and Elsa are doing a lot of great things on those long cruises, and they uh, have a Norwegian cruise now, if you're listening. Uh, you can look into doing a full frozen fever Norwegian cruise uh, that I guess is becoming really popular. Yeah, so that's something that after you figure out what time of year, you can look at what's the next most important thing to you, your destination or the ship that you're on. Disney currently has four ships, two more coming online a little down the road, depending on when you're listening to this. But uh, if the destination is important, like, say, Europe or Alaska, that's going to determine what ship you're on because the magic is the ship that goes over uh, to Europe and the Mediterranean and up to Norway. and um, The wonder is the ship that does Alaska. So if it's real important, like say you have heard such great things about the fantasy, I really want to be on the fantasy, 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 well, then you're going to be doing the Caribbean. It doesn't matter whether you want to do Alaska on the fantasy or not because that doesn't exist. So you got to look at your destination or your ship, what's more important. And so some people pick their cruises based purely on the ship. They don't really care that much about the ports that are involved. Um, we kind of picked it based off of convenience so far. Um, the Dream and the Fantasy both sail uh, similar itineraries kind of over and over, so there's a lot of availability. They're both out of Port Canaveral, which for avid Disney World fans is very convenient to get to the port from um, Orlando. Um, so you kind of got to pick your ship. Uh, Dream and the Fantasy are the two newer ships. They're definitely larger. Um, they have the Aqueduct, the Magic and the Wonder. Are and the and two won't you explain ships. the Aqueduct real quick for people okay, who don't the, know? The Aqueduct is a water coaster at sea. So you uh, climb way up the funnel and a lot of steps involved. You get your steps in. And then you get this raft up there that seats two people. And you're in this tube and it shoots right out over the ocean. So if you look straight down, you're like, 15, 14 stories above the water, which some people enjoy that. Some people may not. Uh, they turn around and then you go down another little drop and it shoots you back up. So it's a water coaster similar to the uh, one at Typhoon Lagoon. They have a water coaster there too. If uh, you have no idea what a water coaster is, um, Google or YouTube that and uh, you'll want to go on one. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to be uh, first in line 
for that Def Lamb. That's one of the reasons why we picked the Dream is because I really want to do this water coaster. And, and for us, you're talking about ships, and we really, the Dream is the only one with the Millennium Falcon in the Star Wars area. My kids love Star Wars. And the Star Wars Day at Sea is a little pricier if you want to do mm-hmm. that. But uh, the Millennium Falcon and all that stuff on board is what really made us choose the Dream. So you... So, listeners, you got to look at all four ships and, and kind of not just pick your itinerary, but all four ships are very unique, and that's why I know, like, you and I know probably for us, we're going to eventually go on all four ships just to see all the different things, and, and Disney's really good about keeping uh, different shows on different ships and, and keeping, mm-hmm. and I know we're going to talk about that more, and just keeping things interesting that it makes you want to keep coming back and, and doing all the ships. Yeah, and every ship has something a little bit different. Like, we're going on the Magic this fall, and my wife is a huge Tangled fan. Super excited about Tangled, the musical, just debuted on the Magic uh, within the last few months. And they turn the sports bar into the Snuggly Duckling the night of the Tangled musical. So you kids can go in there, and they do a bunch of games, uh, and then later it's just for adults and you got snuggly duckling activities on that night. So they don't just have the stage show going on, but they bring it into the other entertainment venues. And so that's one of the things you got to look at when you're picking which ship you want is some of the various the shows and different dining options. So it's pretty important when picking out your cruise. Absolutely. So now that you've picked out your cruise and you've picked out your destination, uh, the question that I had for your wife and she said I need to ask you was trip insurance. Do we need to get trip insurance for our cruise or is it just a ploy to make a little extra money for uh, different agencies? Well, I'll start by saying I am not an insurance agent. So I can't give legal advice about insurance because only listen to insurance agents about what stuff will and won't cover. But We'll say this. I would never go on a cruise without it. Um, We don't always get trip insurance when we travel um, to Florida or California or a different destination uh, because trip insurance is really just going to cover your non-refundable expenses, um, which on a cruise adds up pretty quick um, because the cruise is non-refundable. So if anything prevents you to getting to the cruise um, as well as weather with flights or other delays, I mean, the expression of missing the boat is literally missing the boat. And yeah, they're not—they're not, ha- not going to wait around for a family of four when it's time to go to Castle no. and Key. Every every minute or hour that they're late leaving port, they're getting fined. So they got to leave when they got to leave. There's port authorities, customs, that sort of stuff is involved. And then the other big thing—that's actually kind of a minor. That's an aside reason. The biggest reason is for medical evacuation. I have three kids and a wife. My most important thing with the trip insurance is I would not feel comfortable leaving the country without medical evacuation coverage. Because if you, you know, fall, break a bone, something even worse, you end up needing emergency medical care. I have walked past the hospital in Nassau. And I will just say that not not going to venture in there unless I really have to. So the medical evacuation coverage covers your helicopter ride from Castaway Key, Nassau, the ship, wherever, back to Miami for real medical care. That is the big thing. And that helicopter ride, you can imagine, is not cheap. 
So you need a medical evacuation that's going to cover like a $25,000 hospital, uh, helicopter ride. Well, so that's why we get it. Yeah, I, I do not want to shell out that kind of money. So that makes sense to definitely uh, look. And I know there's uh, you don't have to go through Disney. There's a handful of other mm-hmm. providers. So do your research and uh, find yep. the best trip insurance that I know works for you. There's- a couple really good ones. Disney's is um, made for Disney, for Disney to be profitable. You got to remember who's selling you the insurance when you're buying it. Um, so it doesn't necessarily cover everything in your trip. Um, it is good coverage for the cruise, but depending on how you book the rest of your trip, how you're getting to the ship, how you're leaving the ship, it may not cover everything. And um, you can get more medical coverage from some other places like Allianz is one really good place. Uh, website you can go and get free quotes and uh, insuremytrip.com is a great website where you can compare hundreds of policies and you can look at them side by side and see what they cover and see what they don't like one may give you $250 per hour or per day or per lost bag and you can compare them side by side so that's a great way to look at insurance well that's a good website and we'll put that resource on our Facebook and Twitter page at Rope Drop Radio, so be sure to check that out for uh, any more questions. Uh, feel, feel free to send us uh, those in a message, and we can talk to you more about insurance because I'm sure we could do a couple shows on the pros and cons of insurance. Mm, but, uh, yeah. I know I know but, the one thing is uh, – okay, let's stop right there. If you yeah. want to say something right after that, go for it because they're pros and cons well, of insurance. Okay. Did you have anything you wanted to add? Oh. One thing about a whole show about insurance is that the audience may fall asleep. Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're AR, a trip insurance agent, trying to figure out new ploys to get more people. So, But here we go. We um, The next big thing with getting to a Disney cruise is booking your flights. Now, us, we like to wait till since we're doing our cruise in February, we'll probably wait and see on the Cyber Monday deals. But the one thing I always hear is never book your flight, and it makes sense, the day of the cruise. Because if you have delays or anything, you always want to come a day early and stay. Uh, You can stay at Disney World, or you can stay at one of the on-site hotels uh, near the ship. So uh, what do you recommend for flying and staying? I bet you like to bookend uh, your trip with uh, uh, at least going to the parks, don't you? Absolutely. We are very selfish when it comes to bookending. I mean, if we're going to spend the money on flights to get a family of five down to Florida, we're going to spend a little extra time there. Um, We like to come in. I definitely recommend the day before the cruise sets sail. But our last two cruises have both been in January. And with winter weather, connecting flights, I mean, you can have a snowstorm in Denver, screw up what happens in Atlanta. Anything's possible. So we've actually come in you know, two days before, and then we've had, we've been lucky. We haven't had any travel problems when we book like that. Now, if we book like last minute trying to get in right before the ship leaves, it'd be a disaster, right? But when we give us plenty of time, we never have any travel problems. But we came in two days before. We had a whole day um, before our cruise in January when we did the first Star Wars Day at Sea. We uh, spent the whole day at Universal. We did both Universal parks in a day and then uh, headed to the port the next day. It's just really nice to have a little bit of time in the parks and you can go, go, go because you know that first day of the cruise is going to be kind of relaxing. You, you got the drive to the port, you got to sit in the terminal a little bit, you get on board, check things out. It's not the 
most tiring day, most active day, you get to kick back a little bit. So you can take that day before you set sail and just get up at dawn and go, go, go. Uh, we really like to spend that extra time. And then after the cruise, we've done a couple days. We've also gone straight back to the airport and flew home, which might be the saddest thing ever. But sometimes you got to get back to work, I guess. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, we're definitely bookending. We have yet to decide if we're going to do we're going to do Animal Kingdom with all their new uh, nighttime shows. So we're going to bookend that either before or after, depending on and it. And a lot of it just depends on flights and prices, what we can get, because mm-hmm. uh, it's always good to book your flight about three months before your cruise, looking for a good deal there. Uh, but also, how do you get from Disney World to the Disney Dream or to to uh, Port Carnival? Well, let's take one step back. Um, 75 days before you're actually there, you got to do, if it's your first Disney cruise, you got to do online check-in. And during online check-in, they actually ask you for your flights and passport and all that sort of stuff, and you pick your arrival time. Um, Online check-in goes live at midnight Eastern on the 75 days before. So that means if you're central time, you can do it 11 o'clock at night. I'm usually on right at that time to try to get the earliest check-in time to the ship, which gives me an earlier boarding time. Um, And the sooner you're on the ship, the sooner you can start having fun. So that kind of affects how you're going to get to the port. And there's lots of options on how to get from Disney World or the Orlando area to the port. Have you started to think about those options at all? Have you looked into any of that? No, that's why I'm talking to you. That's why you're helping me plan my Disney cruise on this podcast. All right. Well, we've done it multiple ways. Uh, The cheapest, absolute cheapest way to get to the port uh, is to rent a car at the airport. Say you flew in the day before, you have the one overnight on the rental car, you drive out to the port, you return the rental car, you take the rental car shuttle from the rental car facility to the cruise terminal and you're and you're ready to check into the cruise. That's the almost hands down the cheapest way to do it. You have some control on what time you get to the port, but you don't have control on what time that shuttle takes you from the rental car facility to the port. And they're just minutes away in Coco. And there's every major uh, rental car companies there. So that's not a really big issue. Um, however, there's a little bit of work involved with that. You got to rent the car in Orlando. You got to return the car. I'm on vacation. I don't always yeah. like to rent cars. So that's good for um, people that are looking for the cheapest option. Um, the control freak option, if you're the person that does not like to depend on anybody ever to get you somewhere, or you hate waiting, uh, a rental car is the option for you. You rent the car in Orlando, you drive to the port and you park at the port. Um, You pay to park in a garage. It is literally across the street. Super convenient. Um, You, depending on the length of cruise, it it varies in price. Um, You're looking at like $90, something like that, to park for your four-night cruise. I could look up the exact price, but it's somewhere in that range. But you're paying to rent the car for those nights, and you're paying to park the car for that night while you're on a cruise. Uh, however, your car is right there across the street when you're done, and you can be off the ship and back to Orlando in time for park opening. Uh, we made it to a rope drop at Hollywood Studios when we did that. So we've done that option to explore that for um, 
being able to explain it to people. And, and if people want to save money and not fly down and drive down, you know, that's a good option for them. Yeah, you can park right at the port. You can also get um, a hotel that includes parking, kind of like a park and fly that a lot of regional airports do. They offer those rates. Yep. There's park and cruise. So you leave your car at the hotel and you take the hotel shuttle. Um, the option that I think I have fell in love with, though, we've done it twice now, is um, we've used uh, like a limo service. Not a limo, but a car service. Um, the one we've used has been Happy Limo. Um, yep, we've my, used them last time, too. It was a very good experience. They pick you up right at your hotel. It's just you in the car. You don't have to stop at another hotel and pick up somebody else. You don't have to worry about sitting with somebody screaming kid for an hour all the way to the port because it's about about an hour roughly from uh, Disney property all the way to the port. So it's really nice, really nice clean vehicles, um, nice clean drivers. They're, some of them are very friendly. You'll have a conversation the whole way there. Others, um, you can tell they're just focused on driving, which, you know, either way is fine. But that's what we've used um, is a car service. And you can control what time you want to get there. You can get into the port a little bit earlier than they allow shuttles in. There's certain times that they start letting shuttles into the port. So you can get in earlier with the car service or your rental car if you park at the port. And then you stand in line actually in the parking garage. It's the most magical place to start a vacation is in line in a parking garage. Sounds um, exciting. I can't it, wait. It is. We were third in line one time. We were pretty pumped. I'll be honest. We've never been more excited to stand in a parking garage. But uh, um, So the last option to get there is Disney's transportation. It is not free. It's not the Magical Express. Um, it's $35 a person one way. So if you're going both ways, um, there and back, and that's the same price if you're coming from the airport or to the airport. It's $35. Um, they tend to get you to the port later in the day. Um, so after that initial wave of the crazy people like me standing in a parking garage and the other people being brought in by shuttles from hotels and rental car that are already in Coco, um, then the Disney buses start to roll in. After people are already checked in, um, some Disney buses will show up after the first wave of people have gotten on the ship. So if your time on the ship is really important to you, the Disney transportation is not for you. Um, that's coming to the cruise. Now, leaving the cruise, if you're going straight to the airport, the Disney transportation is a pretty good deal because you can actually, the night before you get off the ship, you put your bags in the hallway and uh, you have a tag on there. They go straight to the airport the next morning. You don't see your bag until you're back to your home destination. So um, it is pretty nice to put your bag nice. yep. in a in a hallway uh, the last night of the cruise, you're already bummed you're leaving. And then you don't have to deal with that bag until you are home. So that is pretty nice. That works similar to how Magical Express works. You know, you check your bags at the resort. You don't see it again until you're there. You don't have to check in at the airport. You don't have to deal with any airport hassle. You just go straight through TSA and then you're to your gate. So that is one-time Disney. I mean, they know what they're doing. However, it's still $35 a person. Is that for all ages? Is all ages. All ages? Yep. So if you got a couple little kids, uh, so I'll, I'll just put them families, in the suitcase. No, don't yeah, fit. that's always the cheapest route. And you know, there's I'm no kidding for our listeners. In, I wouldn't actually do that, but they Maybe. do fit. Just yeah, they could possibly. fit absolutely. I, I am pretty sure I can fit into most overhead compartments. So that's how we uh, get to do so many Disney trips. Yeah, that's that's way. And 
Um, so Happy Limo, this last time, it cost our family of five about $150, $160 one way. And so if you do the math on um, 35 times five, there, I'm glad you did the math. It, you know, you can see that having your own private shuttle is economical. It sounds like it should be way more expensive than sharing a bus with a whole bunch of people and stopping at five different resorts and getting to the port late. But having your own private shuttle is definitely the way we like to go. And it's what I would recommend to people I like. Um, if someone, you know, that I don't like, maybe I say, yeah, Disney transportation's excellent. Well, there you go. There are definitely different options to get to the cruise, and you can always skip the flight and uh, drive down yourself uh, and park right in front of the ship. That's pretty cool, too. So Yeah, now the final thing is because next week we're going to talk about everything on board, uh, excursions and activities and shows, so make sure you tune in next week to that. But the final thing, and what I've heard about, I've, I've been on other cruise lines, and probably the most frustrating part for me is getting to the port to getting on the ship waiting in long uncomfortable lines with millions of people being almost like herded like cattle onto a boat and what i've always heard is that disney does it right and so tell us a little bit about uh how how fast and how easy it is to for that disney does uh once you get to the the port to getting on the ship all right, so we've done port arrival um, several different times, several different ways, but uh, we've done it with just adults, and that was really simple. We could have cared less how long we stood in a line. We didn't really stand in line long. Uh, we checked in, we sat down, and we waited. They have a lot of comfortable areas. And the Port Canaveral um, port for Disney is designed just for Disney. So there's, you know, when you check into a Disney resort, they have the little area for the kids to watch the cartoons while you're checking in and doing the boring stuff. Well, they have TVs all around with lots of seating. Um, so there's stuff for the kids to do and be distracted by. There's enough excitement in the air because everybody's about to go on this voyage together that, you know, you don't really feel like you're waiting too long. But our second time we were there, we had our kids and, we also had my parents and my sister and her family and my brother. And so we had this bigger group. However, we were castaway members because we were already on a cruise. So when we got in there, we, we got there early. We stood in the parking garage, which I warned my, my dad about because he gets grumpy whenever he has to wait for anything. Like Applebee's, if five minutes, would it, his head explodes. So warned him, we're going to stand in the parking garage for a little while. Just be ready. So we have the kids electronics out and ready to go but because we spent the time in the parking garage standing there once you get in through security you go through security um security at a port reminds you of security at airport in 1999 just gonna say that it's like a like you're going back in time where you walk through the metal detector and that's it it's, it's just the, the kids think it's hilarious and like they have no don't idea. don't have to take off your shoes don't have, yeah he's yeah. The, the he's got so lotion, confused. you know. They're like, what? What? what are, why? They're just walking through with that. Oh my goodness! But yeah, so it's like going back in time for security, um, which I don't know if that makes you feel good or not. But that's what it is. And so you go through, basically, you go right in this huge roped-off area. You zigzag around because you've been standing in a parking garage. And even when I went with my parents, we were like 
50th in line in the parking garage. You are not alone in this parking garage. It's a huge line. And we basically, as Castaway members, we walked through the Castaway line. We walked right up to a desk and started doing it. My parents and my siblings, they all went through their line for non-Castaway members, and they were up standing at a desk doing the check-in. They send you a little booklet before your cruise that has all this check-in information. You show them the booklet. You show them your passports, and uh, they take your picture. Um, and then uh, you're done. You're, you're, I mean, you're done checking in. It is that simple. However, about 45 minutes later, the line for non-Castaway members to check in is is pretty staggering. It moves. It's constantly moving. So I don't think people are in it real long. Um, so it's not too big a deal. Um, Disney knows how to do lines. They want you out of the line as soon as they can. Uh, after you do your check-in at that desk, uh, we just make a beeline over to the kids' area for the check-in for the Oceaneers Club, Oceaneers Lab. They get their magic band. Um, they secure the magic band on there. It used to be this big, like, white hospital bracelet that they put on babies at the uh, maternity floor so that they no one steals babies. I don't know if your hospital when you had your babies had those, but ours did. They, like, strapped the kids in. They couldn't escape. It was, it was pretty entertaining. But they now they have magic bands. And that's going to be on your child the whole trip. Um, and they lock them on there so they can't take them off or do any, lose them or do anything goofy with them. And we get that done. And later on in the morning, there'll be a line to check into the kids' club. Um, you can do all the paperwork for the kids' club in advance and online check-in. You know, that's 75 days in advance if you're a new cruiser, uh, 90 days if you're a silver castaway. And if you're gold and platinum, I don't need to tell you how many days because you know. You've done it. Well, plenty and, that, of times. and that's why I use a travel agent because it's they they help you with all that and mm-hmm. and remind you and and help plan those things with you. Yeah, so the lines aren't a big deal, and then you sit and you wait, and you know, depending on how fast uh, U.S. Customs clears the ship for boarding, um, sometimes there's some things that may cause a little hiccup, like they have to do some extra cleaning, that sort of stuff. Uh, to where it delays boarding by a half hour or something like that. But we've been on the ship fairly quick. Um, they give you a a group that you board with, and you kind of wait for your number to be called, and you go on, and it's not too big a deal. There's people that will, like, stand right there by the entrance waiting for their group, even though they're, like, you know, way later. There's those people you got to walk through. Just like uh, when you're boarding an airplane by zone, you get, like, the zone four people that will hover in front of the entrance the whole time even though you know they're still boarding first class that that type of thing happens so there's a little bit of a well people are excited they're ready to get on their disney cruise i will probably be one of those people just hovering waiting till they call me and i will take off in a dead sprint we have found our first two times we kind of were hoverers we're reading the navigators going over it making sure you have the navigator app downloaded before you get there yep uh you can get onto the ship's wi-fi with the navigator app and you can see the whole navigator for the whole week or the whole three days the whole four days i don't know the two weeks if you're going across the atlantic and start looking through the app um you can also set up texting through the app we had that done between my wife and i before we got on the ship one thing we really wish we would have done on this last cruise uh, for the Star Wars Day at Sea was we have a couple really old iPods um, and some old iPhones that the kids use every now and then as iPods. So we really wish we would have downloaded the Navigator app before we left home or at Disney World while we had free Wi-Fi um, because once you're there, there's no way to download it unless you have uh, data service. 
So download the Navigator app way in advance. You can't do a thing with it until you're on the ship's Wi-Fi system or in the port, but you want to make sure you have it downloaded. And if we would have downloaded it, our 10-year-old daughter and our 8-year-old son, they could have texted us because there was a few times after a week on a ship, they know their way around. We let them go places, have a little bit of freedom, an inch, um, but they would have been able to text us with the app. So that is one thing that we learned on this last trip that we really wish we would have done, and we definitely will have it ready to go the next time we sail in November. Sounds good. Yeah, we're going to talk more about that app and, and knowing where to meet characters and everything on board next week. But, uh, yeah, this this first episode was great. I feel like I'm a little more prepared, as uh, especially when it comes to traveling from the parks to the ship to uh to the port and uh tell you what i'm excited for my uh february trip i wish it would come a little bit sooner but hopefully our listeners feel a little bit more informed and definitely listen next week as we talk about the kids clubs the adult areas the shows food some hidden tips and tricks and definitely that app has been a, a phenomenal advancement in disney cruises and just uh technology and knowing where everything is at on the ship so well doug thank you for helping me in in episode one of our uh planning our disney cruise so thank you guys for listening to rope drop radio like us on facebook follow us on twitter feel free to message us any questions you might have whether it be on insurance check-in uh we never talked about passports but that's another one we'll talk a little bit about next week uh, especially with me going to the bahamas And uh, thank you again for listening. For Doug McKnight, I'm Derek Sassman. Thank you for listening to Rope Drop Radio.